Well, good morning. My name is Alpha Burtz, and um, Sherry Cox and Lisa Kirk extended an invitation after reading my book, Come Up Higher, and invited me to come and share my testimony to you of the wonderful things that the Lord has done in my life. So I am very grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. For a person seeking truth, there's nothing more compelling than the testimony of a credible eyewitness. John the Apostle and the Evangelist knew this, and he closed the Gospel with these words. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. John's passion to communicate the reality and the person of Jesus Christ was further conveyed in the opening verse of his first epistle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, which our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The eternal life appeared, we have seen it. We testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. We find him later saying in this epistle, These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. Those are the words of John, the beloved apostle speaking, the same one who walked with Jesus from the, John, from the days of John the Baptist, the same one who saw Jesus transfigured and speaking with Moses and Elijah on the mountaintop, who heard the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. The same one who lay his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper and asked, Who is it, Lord, who will betray you? The same one who stood beneath the cross of Calvary and watched his master pour out his lifeblood for the sins of mankind. The same one who ran to the garden tomb early on resurrection morning and looking in saw the empty grave clothes and believed. The same one, when he saw the glorified Jesus in his splendor and majesty on the island of Patmos, fell at his feet as if dead, and heard him saying to him, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Behold, I was dead, but I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and the unseen realm. This is the credible witness who speaks to us down throughout the ages through the scriptures and says, I saw him with my own eyes and I touched him with my own hands and I am telling you, he is the eternal life and my testimony is true. Believe him and have fellowship with him. 
When I read John's testimony, I know that it is true. I know it by the power of the truth that the words convey to my heart and the Holy Spirit's witness in my own spirit. But I also knew these words are true for another reason. Because like the man born blind, I can say one thing that I know once I was blind. But now I see. My blindness was not physical like his, but it was nevertheless real. Like the Samaritan woman at the well, I can say, he told me everything I'd ever done. And he's given me living water. Like the tenth leopard, I have returned to Jesus, cleansed and healed, and I've fallen at his feet to give him thanks. And like the demon-possessed man who, have been, who had been sha- bound in shackles and chains, I have been restored by Jesus to my right mind. And he told me to go home to my friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. Friends and sisters in Christ, and to those who have not yet known the Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord, when you have heard what Jesus has done in my life, you will marvel and be amazed at his transforming power and goodness. But as I share my personal testimony with you, I want you to be ever so mindful that his desire and will is to exercise his transforming power and demonstrate his goodness to all those who would rely upon him, to all those who would receive him, and to all those who would believe on his name. Let me begin briefly by describing to you the darkness uh, and despair that gripped my early years, and then the depravity to which my despair gave way. And then, (laughs) how the Lord graciously, graciously picked me up out of that dark pit and translated me into his marvelous presence. The earliest recollections of my childhood were memories of my mother as a warm and affectionate woman. She seemed to fill my world with her warmth. I still remembered her affectionate manner long after leukemia had ravaged her body and she lay still on the bed. I especially recall a time when my seven-year-old brother and I, Tommy, sat on her bed and we offered Mother our three little blue elephants, hoping to make her feel better. Several months later, she was gone. I was five years old when my mother died. My father, who was emotionally a very distant man, told me of her death and simply left me alone. Not long after, he sent me to live with friends of whom I did not know. With my brother gone, with my mother gone and my brother and father far away, I was deeply confused and I felt extremely abandoned. I cried myself to sleep many nights during that time as I had no real sense of belonging anywhere. It was two long years before I heard from my father and 
he had purchased a two-and-a-half-acre dog ranch, and he, he sent for me to come and to live on the dog ranch and work. And he sent for my brother as well to live on the ranch. He still remained emotionally very distant to both of us. Sometime later, my father remarried, and I can recall even now the excitement in my heart uh, that I would be having a new mother that could care for me and, and love me. I still recall those, those feelings of excitement even now. But that was not to be. My new stepmother was an abusive alcoholic who took an intense hatred toward me, apparently because I looked much like my real mother. My stepmother was jealous of me, even, uh, even, because, even as my real mother was gone for a couple of years, she, she seemed to be still jealous of my, my mother, even though she wasn't living. I spent five years, the next five years, in a state of extreme fear and in hypervigilance, trying to avoid her notice, especially during those drinking times. For her, notice to me meant beatings. She frequently beat me while my father would stand by passively in indifference, watching, oftentimes holding a drink in his hand. That was a very confusing and heartbreaking time for me as I watched him watch me go through what I was going through and did nothing to protect me. Many nights I crept out to the dog kennels and slept on the cold cement floor in order to escape her wrath. The smell of the urine coupled with the cold air oftentimes, many times, prevented me from sleeping at night. As I entered puberty, about nine or ten years old, three men who lived in the neighborhood, apparently noticing my neediness and lack of protection, vulnerability, took advantage and molested me. I can remember feeling so dirty and so ashamed, so full of shame, One day I mustered up enough courage to tell my father about the sexual abuse, which had occurred for several years. And when I did, his response was silence and disbelief and indifference. That was almost more than I could bear. At that day, that particular day, something died in me. I can recall it so vividly, even to this day. On that particular day, I began to close down my person. And from that day on, I knew I needed a safe place to live. So I created a fantasy world and emotionally moved into it. After a while, so complete was my disassociation that I could actually not feel my body during the beatings. Over time, the beatings became more severe and my bruises on my body so noticeable that the authorities were called. And at 12 years old, I was taken away from my home. This began a four-year period in the social service system 
going from the children's shelter to five different foster homes over a four-year period of time, and four of which were group homes. When I was 16, a close friend of my real mother named Alice found out about my abusive circumstances of my current group home, and she took steps to become my legal guardian. Although it was a relief for me to to be in the care of someone that actually took an interest in me, it wasn't long before the circumstances and the stresses of my new environment overwhelmed me. For you see, Alice was an extremely wealthy woman, and the sudden plunge into the world of luxury and social status years after emotional and material deprivation was more than my fractured identity could endure. I began taking amphetamines to bolster my confidence. And it wasn't long before I became completely dependent upon them and sometimes averaging 30 a day. Alice, not realizing how emotionally sick I was and wanted me to have the finest education, sent me off to boarding schools. The profound loneliness and inferiority I I felt there just added more weight to my crushing, crushing sense of inadequacy and inferiority. So full of pain and feelings of hopelessness, my heart began to harden even more. And bolstered by a false sense of confidence, because of the amphetamines, I sought escape from all control. I broke legal guardianship at the age of 19 and joined my brother in the gay community in San Francisco. I had struggled with homosexuality before and struggled with it for many years, having experienced a few relationships. So it wasn't strange to me. Since I had no sense of personal identity or worth, no belief structure of my own, I easily absorbed the thinking and the lifestyle of those around me. And having such an emotional void, um, I confused the atmosphere of tolerance that I found there with genuine acceptance and thus felt a sense of belonging for which I I long craved. During the next ten years immersed in the gay culture and after becoming involved with a woman, I moved to live with her in Hollywood where my downward spiral continued. My body was very ravaged by the drugs that I had been taking, excessive amounts taken daily, and my mind deteriorated to the point of having a severe mental and emotional breakdown. I was a very, very broken woman indeed. But one day, and it gets better, but one day, one day when I was at rock bottom, a very gentle woman in my apartment complex spoke to me. And she told me that she'd been watching me. It seemed to me that she had a a deep sense of how sick I was. And with great compassion and holiness, 
she told me about God's love for me. She explained to me that God understood my helplessness and my pain and that he was calling me. She said to me that God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for us, to bear the punishment that our sins deserve. And if we repent, and acknowledge and turn away from our sins and receive him as our Lord and Savior, we could have new life in him. We could have a new beginning. She said that about me personally. That God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son to bear the punishment that my sins deserve. My sins. I knew all about sins. Oh, how I knew all about sin. But what I didn't know, I knew nothing about, was God's boundless love in Christ Jesus. How could this be that the holy God who created the universe and everything in it, saw me, knew me, knew all about me, and loved me anyway. When I heard that, the Holy Spirit produced faith in my heart, and I believed. I wept for hours that night. Hours and hours as Jesus wiped away my sins and filled me with his life and I was born again as scripture says but as many as received them him to them he gave the right to become the children of God even to those who what believe on his name John 1.12 What a glorious deliverance he offered me. What a glorious salvation. He had done it all. All I needed was to believe and receive the great salvation won for me by Jesus, the Son of God. Turn away from my sins, receive him as my Lord and Savior, and I would be given new life eternal life. When the next day dawned, I found that the burden of sin and shame had gone. The joy I began to experience in Christ's presence cannot be expressed in words. That terrible thirst for love and meaning began to be satisfied. I had received new life. In him. I was a new creation in Christ, and I knew it. Second Corinthians 5:17. A dramatic change had taken place in my spirit. I was delivered from the kingdom of darkness, separation from God, and translated into the kingdom of light, into union with God's own Son. I became God's own child. 
forever. Oh, how grateful. Oh, how grateful I was. Well, now, you might think that the story's almost over. But in fact, the story has just begun. An incredible change took place in me, in my spirit. But let me repeat, that incredible change was in my spirit. Now that glorious salvation had to be worked out. (laughs) The new life in Christ needed to be worked out in my soul and in my body. And how I wish I could tell you that it was all instantaneous. (laughs) But I wouldn't be telling you the truth. (laughs) The transformation that takes place in our souls, which consists of our mind and our emotions and our will, is progressive and gradual. And it requires knowledge of the word of God, obedience, to the light that he gives us, patience in waiting upon him, and perseverance. Perseverance, that word, (laughs) until we receive that which is promised in the word. But thankfully, he has given us the Holy Spirit, the blessed Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, whose job it is to lead us into all truth, to motivate us and empower us to grow up into the statue of the measure of Christ. Ephesians 4.17 Now believe me, the Holy Spirit had much work cut out for him when it came to me. Here's a quick list of the issues and addictions that were on the Holy Spirit's to-do list when it came to this newborn in Christ. Restoration needed from a severe mental and emotional breakdown. Drug addiction, 10 years, an addict. Homosexuality, bulimia, anorexia, smoking, severe, severe abandonment issues, shame and vulnerability from sexual abuse, fear and distrust, and I might even say hate of men, Hatred, bitterness, and unforgiveness, severe anxiety and paranoia, a crippling sense of inferiority and inadequacy, inability to focus, severe ADD, attention disorder deficit, a crippling sense of inferiority and inadequacy, and emotional attachment disorders. (laughs) And (laughs) what can I say? I think most of us would look at that list and look at those particular addictions and issues and disorders and say impossible. Impossible. But praise God, all things are possible with him. Praise his holy, his holy name. Now, time will not allow me to go into how Jesus, the great physician, healed me of each and every one of these emotional, physical, and mental disorders. My book, Come Up Higher, covers this in a little more detail. But heal me? He did. What I can share with you today are some of the principles and truths the Lord taught me. 
that were key in the process of healing each and every of these disorders. He taught me how to meet with him daily in the scriptures. How to come into a deep, abiding fellowship with him through daily reading his word. Reflecting on it, Joshua 1.8. Writing it down, Habakkuk 2.2. Believing it, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Praying about it, Ephesians 1.17. Applying it to my life, James 1.12. Obeying it, John 14.21. And waiting expectantly for him to fulfill it. As he met me in his all-sufficiency. He taught me the importance of church involvement and fellowship with other believers. Hebrews 10, 24-25. And to use our gifts for the building up and the edification of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And the importance, the absolute importance of speaking the truth in love. That we may grow up in all things. And to him who is the head Christ. Ephesians 4.15 These are some of the spiritual disciplines that the Lord taught me. And that are used for deliverance and healing and transformation. And these have become the very foundational stones of my ministry. You see, the Holy Spirit heals us by putting us into living vibrant contact with a risen, glorified Jesus. This happens through faith, and faith cometh by what? In hearing by the... By coming to the written word in faith, we meet Jesus, the incarnate word. For he says of himself, Behold, I come in the volume of the book. It speaks of me. Hebrews 10.7 Christ comes into our lives in the volume of the book, the word of God. The only revelation we have of him is in the word, in the scriptures. The Lord taught me that he would use the sword of the spirit, the word of God, as as a gentle surgeon, would use a scalpel. To cut away the diseased and festering parts of my soul. Cut away. Gently. Cut away. Gently. Setting crooked limbs straight. And then carefully knitting me back together. To grow in wholeness and holiness. I needed to spend much time in the word and in prayer to gain the knowledge of my great physician, knowledge of his unlimited power, of his compassion, and his strong desire to heal me. Much time, patience, and endurance was needed, for healing is often painful, isn't it? Is it not? Yes. Slow and painful sometimes. But the more I spent In the Lord's presence and in his word, the more confident I became 
of his ability and strong desire to heal me. And like a wounded lamb that is carried on the shepherd's shoulders, I became so deeply attached to my shepherd and healer that I never wanted to stray from him. As the scriptures teach us, I found in my own experience that as I set my mind on things of the Spirit, I come to wonderfully experience ever-increasing life. Ever-increasing life and peace. Romans 8.5 You see, the Lord taught me that he would use the word to heal me of all my issues and disorders. He would do this by bringing me through the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, into experiencing more and more of a new life that he had already given me when I was first born again. His word to me was Alpha ever-increasing life and peace. As the scriptures teach us in all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transformed into his very image in ever-increasing splendor. From one degree of glory to another degree of glory. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.18, Amplified. Let me give you an example. Early in my Christian life, I had a great deal of difficulty focusing on the Word of God because of all the damage that, I, that had happened because of the drug abuse as well as the mental breakdown and being fractured from that. I also had an undiagnosed learning disability, which just added to my inability to focus and retain what I read. One day the Holy Spirit led me to Psalms 107.20, where we read, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them out of all the destructions. He sent his word and healed them. So you see, it was through the scriptures I came to understand that healing comes through the word as it is applied by the Holy Spirit. In response to my understanding that healing comes through the word, I began to listen to tapes about his word sometimes for hours every day I begin to write them down write the things I was reading in scripture and in books I used to in my younger Christian days I used to say Lord I just need to have it bolted down I just need to bolt down your word writing down his word helped me to retain the truth more than just reading and listening alone Every day I reflected on God's word and obeyed it. The Holy Spirit helped me to apply it to my life as I heavily, heavily leaned on the Holy Spirit. Little by little, the healing power, the healing power of his word began transforming my life. 
began its transforming work. I found that the words of scripture are literally true for those who believe. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 states, The word of God, which also effectively works in you, who believe. As I studied and meditated on the word of God and acted on it, I not only came to believe, because the word of God says it to be true, but I came to experience the reality of being a new creation. Not only believing it, because it is written, it is true, God says it, that settles it, I believe it, it's a fact. But as I applied it, I came into experiencing, you see, oh, experiencing the reality of being a new creation. I came to know and experience that the old Alpha, with all her abuse and sin, had really, had really died with Christ. Galatians 2.20 The new Alpha in Christ, the new creation, was really a child of God. Old things had passed away. Behold, all things become new. Just as scriptures said. And through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, I begin to see myself as God sees me. I begin to see myself as God sees me. Beginning to line up together. Not so much of this dichotomy. (laughs) I begin to see myself as God sees me. As a new person. A new creation. Having a new beginning. All things passed away. And beholding all things are indeed new Alpha. And you're just beginning to experience that. I begin to see God as my loving Father and walk before Him as His child. All those unmet childhood needs for belonging and love that had created such an intense desire and thirst in my heart begin to be filled With Jesus, the living water. All those unhealed hurts from the past were being progressively healed by Jesus, the great physician. All those unresolved issues causing emptiness and deep soul hunger were being satisfied by Jesus, the bread of life. As I came to know him and experience him and abide in him and trust him, I really did come to see and to know Jesus as my all-sufficiency. You see, God took that sin, that sick, lost Alpha, with (laughs) with all of her list of issues and addictions and disorders, washed me clean in the blood of the Lamb, gave me a new beginning, a new life in Him, and progressively healed me and brought me to a place of wholeness. Because of God the Father 
and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I can stand before you today and truly say, he has miraculously restored my life. It was 31 years ago that I first received Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I continue to depend upon him for all things. I have come to know him as my sufficiency, my adequacy, my recourse for all things, and the provider of all my needs. Whether it is restoring me from anorexia, or the mental breakdown, or bulimia, or homosexuality, or just giving me the needed wisdom that I need for my children. I have learned that I can count. I have learned by walking with him that I can count on him for all things. Over these years, he has taught me to live in the resources of another. He has taught me to live and abide in him. He has indeed restored my life. Restored my life indeed. I share a wonderful marriage with Greg, my husband of 21 years. Our two beautiful, mm, young adult children, Esther and Joshua, both of whom are born again. Esther is with us this morning. I am currently the director and overseer of Well of Life Ministries, a ministry I founded nine years ago, a ministry which is devoted to proclaiming the glory and the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission is to lead thirsty people to the living water, to Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our life, and to teach them to walk in the power of his resurrection and in his all-sufficiency. After 31 years of knowing him, I am still ascribing glory to his name. Glory to his holy name. What else can I do but rejoice and praise my glorious Savior and speak and speak of the love I have for him. In closing our time this morning, I want to encourage you to see anew how special is your own personal story of Jesus' saving love for you. You see, no one but you can witness to the unique facets of love and power he has revealed in your own personal history, your own personal walk with him. You see, it's all about him. It's all about him that only you can tell. My testimony that I have shared is all about him and his power to transform lives who will trust him and believe him to do it. My story may have more hills and darker valleys than most, but it is the same almighty yet gentle and loving shepherd who leads us to green pastures and restores our souls with his satisfying waters. 
May you be like the woman at the well who encountered Jesus and received so deeply from him that she dropped her water pot and she went back to the city calling to the people, come, come up higher, come up higher to Jesus, the source of living water. The one who is willing, the one who is desirous, and the one who is omnipotently capable of meeting all, all of your needs. To all who are here this morning, Jesus, our enthroned and glorious Lord, beckons you. Come, behold me in my power and glory. And be transformed into my image from glory to glory.